In this episode, we talk about edge analytics and opportunities it provides for industrial automation. We discuss industrial edge analytics architecture and functional composition, and we also talk about industrial edge ML ops, crosser, and use cases of edge analytics in manufacturing. My guest on this episode is Martin Thunman. Martin is the CEO and co-founder of Crosser. He is a serial entrepreneur and executive with more than 20 years experience from deep tech and enterprise software. Martin co-founded Crosser in 2016 with the realization that low-code edge analytics, automation and integration software will play a critical role for accelerating the digital transformation journey of industrial and asset-rich organizations. Quick thank you to our sponsors. This episode is made possible by our friends at HiveMQ, who are providers of an enterprise-grade edge and cloud-based MQTT broker, and Opto22, manufacturers of reliable industrial controllers for automation and IoT applications. So please do check them out to help support this channel. Welcome to the fourth generation podcast here on Industry 4.0.tv, which is a series of weekly interviews designed to help you learn industrial IoT from some of the world's leading practitioners. So make sure to subscribe and click on the notification bell to make sure that you never miss any of the interviews. If you find this conversation interesting, please review it with five stars on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and connect with me on LinkedIn at Kutzai Mandi Teresa. Now, here's my interview with Martin. Okay, Martin, thank you so much for joining us today. I would like to welcome you to the show. Well, thank you, Kutzai. It's, it's really a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So today I want to talk to you about uh, edge analytics for uh, industrial IoT. Now, to, to begin, uh, what do you see as being the major challenges in, uh, in the integration of legacy systems with uh, Industry 4.0 technologies? Well, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, topic, actually, one that I'm, I feel pretty passionate about. Um, I think, I think uh, the automation industry is, um, is really not doing a great job here. I think uh, it's an industry that talks with uh, two tongues. They're definitely talking about being open and, and, and focusing on standards like OPC, UA and, and others, but at the same time are still super protective of their legacy protocols and, and refuse to open up those specifications and letting you know, other parties and their customer base, the whole industry, um, move faster forward. So in all honesty, I, I think the, the automation legacy vendors, and we all know who they are, they should be you know, ashamed uh, of what they're doing. Uh, that's, that's what I feel about this. It's a, it's a really disgrace for, for our, all, all our efforts to move forward in this industry. They should just open it up, make everything possible for the customers to move faster forward uh, it's difficult as it is already. Yeah. Uh, we don't need that additional layer of of just protecting their their old, their old assets. So so that is a huge challenge uh, for many of the the customers uh, of today. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, what we're seeing is modern technologies are coming out. It's becoming. Uh, easier and easier for companies to connect uh, to their machines. And there are solutions and vendors that have 
of course, work with creating uh, bridge solutions between legacy and new um, for for quite some time. So so there are ways around it, but there shouldn't be ways around it. There should just be you know great open openness and working together. Um, and I don't know if this is because part of the or big part of the automation industry is is controlled by European uh, vendors versus the whole internet and networking side moral control from the US where the US vendors tend to be much more open, focusing on standards. If we all share something, it will prosper. Uh, and um, that thinking is definitely not in, in the industrial automation space, but it could benefit from, from a different mindset for sure. Okay, that's, yeah, totally agree there. So now having said that, uh, what, what would you say are the key requirements for industrial system integrators uh, to move to uh, what you call the next generation industrial automation solutions? Yeah, so the starting point is always, you know, data connectivity, uh, as we just started the conversation here. Uh, however, um, one of the challenges and requirements to be able to do something intelligently with data is to be able to understand the data. So you have all of these machines, legacy and new, and they come from a variety of vendors and the data formants looks completely different, uh, dependent on protocol, dependent on vendor, dependent on sensor type. So, so just being able to uh, transform the data and create a common data structure, I think is a very, very important starting point. I think as a software industry uh, and technology industry, we're very good in creating hype. Uh, and um, currently there's a lot of hype talking about machine learning and AI kind of being the, the, um, the, the savior of this whole industry. But without good structure organized data, um, that doesn't work. So, so I think companies need to start from the bottom uh, and create that, that data structure and having the ability to do that in real time distributed uh, has a lot of, uh, lot, lot of advantages. So, so that is a key requirement uh, in, in our opinion. Uh, another another um, requirement I think is the human aspect of this. We have different uh, team members with different competences and these modern use cases often involves the automation side, the IT side, but also subject matter expert. There are maintenance teams and, and others. So I think the ability to collaborate and work together um, and to solve and address these, uh, these use cases will be very important. Uh, and I think in order for that to work, uh, I also think that modern technologies need to provide much more of a um, intuitive, easy to use software based on basically low code or no code uh, approach, uh, which we're seeing in all industry uh, segment, not only industrial, right? When, yeah. when the power of innovation is put in the hands of normal people, um, everything prospers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now talking about uh, machine learning and AI, now your, your company Crosa is, is all about edge analytics. 
So maybe just to set the foundation here for, for some of our audiences who are not uh, familiar with edge analytics, could you define what edge analytics is and uh, what opportunities uh, it provides to the industrial automation space? Absolutely. Uh, let me first start with kind of the definition of edge because that is, that is a confusion uh, already starting there. Um, I think there are different um, ways of looking at the edge, but uh, some talk about the edge as being the device itself. Others talk about the edge being uh, sitting close to the device or to a machine. Others think that edge equals on-premise. Others think that edge is the network edge. So that means so the, the service provider, the operators, telcos, they're talking about edge. For them, the network edge is something different than enterprise edge. So, so it's definitely a, a confusion here. Uh, what we do, we don't do device edge, uh, but we do uh, processing of data uh, very close to where the data is being uh, originated. Um, so that means that what, what we wanted to do and what we saw very early on was that the trend that when we started the company five years ago, the trend back then was to go from in the industrial space, pretty much everything on premise and move then everything to the cloud. And we had big, big um, industrial vendors at GE Predix and the Siemens Mindsphere. They were singing this song. We talked to a lot of industrial companies and we could not see that, that flipping 100% from on-prem or from, from local data processing to going to the cloud. We didn't see that scenario as realistic. We believe that there was a lot of benefit for, for having uh, a layer where you process data uh, between the origin of the data and cloud. Uh, so, so that, but uh, using the modern and technology and the advantages of cloud. So, so that was our our approach. So, how can you take the best benefits of the cloud and then bring that to an environment where you process the data on your own infrastructure, whether it's a gateway that's on your uh, close to your remote asset, if it's uh, on a video camera uh, processing images, or if it's on a factory floor on a Windows server or in VM in your, in your data center, doesn't really matter. Uh, basically, it's this layer of uh, intelligence between the data sources and any other system. And the other system could be another machine. It could be an on-premise system. It could be a cloud platform like Azure or, or AWS, or it could be SaaS application. So, so that's, that is really uh, the notion and the name Crosser comes from the notion of, of our software sitting in the crossroad of all these different data types. Okay, yeah, it makes a lot of sense now. So like, what's the possible uh, opportunities there for, for like say manufacturing companies uh, for going uh, the direction of the edge? Do you have like uh, some, some, some benefits that stand out for you? Well, there are of course a number of uh, drivers behind uh, industrial 4.0 use cases and industrial IoT. 
um, of course, on a, on a high level of business drivers, all comes about how can we save costs uh, and be much more efficient uh, and uh, move faster forward and being more competitive. Those are kind of overall business drivers, but then trickles down to become more technical use cases and technical advantages in coming down to more, more digestible chunks. And, and one, one uh, such you know, obvious area is that, that uh, there's a lot of savings to be done by not sending all the raw data to the cloud, by processing it locally. So, so there are immediate uh, ROI for just processing it with intelligence locally. Um, there are security advantages. If, uh, uh, if you don't have to expose data to the internet, you don't do that. That's kind of rule one, uh, number one in, in security. You don't take risk if you don't have to take risks. Um, so, so that's it. Another factor is latency. Of course, being able to take action on data uh, close to the machine, you can, you know, bring down the latency, come down to just single digit milliseconds in order to, to trigger action between, between automation uh, endpoints. So those are some of, of, uh, of the kind of immediate, more digestible use cases. But, but of course, there are all of this uh, predictive maintenance and all of these use cases that, that we see and hear about or, and the whole industry is looking at. But, um, but there are, you know, step by step, uh, I think uh, what we are, are uh, talking to our customers about that this is a journey. Uh, Industry 4.0 is not one project. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, thousands of mini projects that you, you need to do, you know, gradually step by step. And you need to have very low incremental costs for each and single use case that you implement, whether or not that is the, that is um, uh, transformation of the data, creating uh, operational KPIs, doing calculations of data, or whatever the use case is, uh, applying machine learning models for predictive uh, analytics and so forth. Whatever the use case is, we believe that the most successful companies are the ones that don't start necessarily to solve one specific use case, but think about a layer that can give you this toolbox to solve a thousand use cases, because that is where, where you ultimately will come to the position to be this fully digital and automated enterprise. Oh, okay, awesome. Now, to get a bit technical here, uh, could you give us a, a breakdown of the functional composition of a typical industrial edge analytics solution? Sure, sure. I think um, there are, of course, uh, all different uh, use cases, and we have a couple of different types of customers. I'll place them in two main buckets. Uh, one bucket is machine builders that uh, sell um, often industrial machines or equipment to customers in the field, and they want to make those digital and connected. So that is one customer category. And, and in that uh, situation, the use case and the technical, the tech stack often is that you have the, the machine, the machine has a, the PLC and the, this controller uh, is collecting data from all the sensors that already is on the machine. 
Um, that data is then transferred to an industrial gateway, some hardware that then runs uh, an OS. On top of that gateway, uh, there is uh, an intelligent edge analytics software deployed. So the software is then deployed on a gateway very close to that um, machine or device uh, and processing all the data in real time as it is being produced, what is called streaming data. So, so processing that raw data, then doing whatever is needed. Typically, it's always um, data reduction, data transformation, creating that data model we talked about, um, then uh, possibly aggregating the data. So sensors are creating and machines creating a lot of data. And that data is not necessarily always useful. So if you have a temp sensors that sends out, it's 90 degrees Celsius, so we're talking Celsius here, 90 degree, 90 degree, 90 degree, 90 degree. You don't have to send all those data points to, to, um, you know, to, to store it somewhere. You can then create uh, intelligent rules that says, unless there's a change, uh, aggregate this data over a time window. It could be one minute, five minutes, whatever you want to do. And then you reduce the amount of data tremendously. So, so that is a, just a simple example of, of that. You can't just aggregate it without uh, looking for anomalies because then you, will, you could potentially miss anomalies. So you need to be able to analyze uh, the data before you, you create it because if the data starts to, the, uh, the values start to go up or down, you might want to take some action based on that. And if you aggregate it, you miss that, that uh, opportunity. So having that ability to smartly apply logic and uh, business rules and different smart workflows is, uh, is important. So that's, and then typically for these remote assets for machine builders, the next layer in the tech stack is most often a cloud platform where they send for long-term storage, long-term analytics, uh, and for visualization. Um, if um, the machine builders have tight relationship with their customer, if it's a fixed installation, uh, it's uh, also not uncommon that there is local integration. So the edge node is then also connected to local systems. So the end customer also gets part of the data. So triggers can be created to the, uh, the owner of the assets for further analysis or action, uh, if there is, for instance, an anomaly or, or something like that. The other part of the customer base, which is the factory floor you know, production site, there the, the, the tech stack looks different and it's much more complex. Uh, we talked about the legacy uh, equipment. So you have all of these different type of generational uh, machines and PLCs and, and protocols. Um, then you have um, uh, the SCADA systems, you have MES systems, uh, you have uh, ERP systems, you have all other shop floor platforms and, and systems. So there uh, it becomes much more, um, uh, I would say, diverse and complicated. So, um, so that's, uh, that tech stack can look very different depending on okay. on uh, the environment where we're, uh, we're operating okay so well now having said that uh, we know in industry we've got some uh, mature standards like the isa 95 uh, so when you bring that uh, complex architecture into the picture does it create a conflict with this uh, 
ISA 95 or does it complement each other? I think the good part is with all the new technologies and all the new ways that this modern software can, can give companies is that they don't have to break up what they have already built. Uh, so this new, um, new tech stack can live in, and complement the existing and actually uh, be like a horizontal real-time integration layer with intelligence uh, that can communicate in an any-to-any -any structure between uh, any parts of this ISO 95 um, reference architecture. So, so that creates an increased flexibility and agility for, for any production site uh, to move faster and uh, implement new use cases. Okay. So you, you've already touched on the, on the fact that uh, having a, a uniform data structure, like data modeling, plays a huge role in building a, an intelligent solution. So do you, do you have any best practices when it comes to industrial data modeling? So, so for us, I think that, that is a great, uh, great question. What Crosser um, put as an ambition when we started a company was to enable self-service. We believe in the power of, of, um, of existing teams. And we learned that there are so many different type of uh, industries and companies and generational uh, of companies. And many enterprises have grown by acquisition. So there are, they've acquired companies that have different tech stack. There's, there's never a homogeneous architecture um, or very, very, it's a very, very rare that we see mm -hmm. that. So, so therefore it's, very difficult to have a generic standard for, for this. So we, we have built a self-service platform that the customer can leverage different components the, and building blocks that we call modules and combine these modules in visual workflows in a way so they can be super flexible no matter what their environment is. And this also comes back to, to the data model. Um, the number of layers and dimension in the data structure that companies might want to implement looks completely different. But we allow them to uh, implement and enrich the data in real time. So not only can they you know, filter data or, 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 or um, change names of properties, they can also add uh, data and, uh, and metadata to the, uh, the sensor values in order to create that, that uh, data model that they want to enforce. But I think many customers struggling with this just to create a, a common model top down. Uh, but when they do, it's a super powerful way for management because all of a sudden they can get real time insight into what's going on. Uh, so the, the level of of um, analytics and insight they can can get from a management layer um, increases dramatically if they can get to that uh, common common data layer. Oh, okay, great. Now there's this concept uh, called the Edge ML Ops. Uh, could you tell us what that is and where it fits into the picture? Yes. So. Um, 
I said earlier that you know we're good in creating hype and ML is one of those those area and where the starting point is kind of go start from the bottom. But having said that, once you have created the structure, you have created this layer of of intelligence between the machines and all of the other systems, um, you have the opportunity to, to do pretty amazing things. And if you want to deploy um, your machine learning model and crosser, as I mentioned, we provide a self-service platform. So we have a solution that, that allows the customers to run their machine learning model distributed. Um, that could be basically in any, any um, uh, location where they want to to run that, so um, so uh, you come into challenges with the life cycle of um, of code of the model itself, but also about everything that happens before the model and everything that happens after the model, which are the part that we then then um, then have in in our solution. So so we have then. Um, built in different tools to centrally being able to create, uh, have version control and ability to very, very easily distribute and redistribute models into the field. So we're, we're doing, for instance, one research project with uh, Scania Trucks. This is a public, uh, public case. So I can talk about it where the challenge is that, that if they run machine learning model in the trucks, in distributed, in can they have a tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of trucks, and have multiple models, and they they collect new data, send it up to a central location, retrain the model, and then need to redistribute the model. How do they do that? Take care of that lifecycle management in a in a good, efficient way, uh, and that is the tools that we have built around this challenge that allows customers to, to update the model, create a new version, and boom, one click, redistribute that model out to the field. Because historically, one of the challenges and disadvantage of Edge has been that the cost of uh, managing that infrastructure has been you know, very, very high. So that's where the centralized cloud approach is coming. But what we experience and what we believe is that um, the architecture of the crosser solution is that we have this management layer, which is cloud-based, and we have this distributed runtimes, the analytics engine that runs wherever the customer wants to deploy it in the edge. That combination actually uh, gives the customer the best of two worlds, the central management, and the modern feel um, of, uh, of cloud technologies, but the uh, security and the low cost of processing the data in a distributed fashion. Okay. Uh, and, and ML, of course, is part of most companies' roadmap. There are very few customers that we talk to that do not see that as a part of their future roadmap. Okay, that's awesome. It makes a lot of sense there. Now, as far as the, the hardware is concerned, are there, are there any special requirements for, for hardware to run edge analytics? Um, not really. I, I think uh, in our case, uh, there just need to be an OS that can host uh, Docker containers or, or Docker. 
So as long as Docker is supported, um, uh, you can run a, uh, a crosser edge node. Um, we run on, on you know, small gateways, um, low cost with you know, low cost processor. We can run on Raspberry Pis. We can run on even smaller than that. Uh, we did some benchmark performance tests on a Raspberry Pi. We can process up to 8,000 messages per second. So it's a very, very fast analytics engine on a normal server, PC server that you might have on the factory floor. We can process over 100,000 messages per second. So it's very, very fast. You don't need a lot of hardware to, um, to run edge analytics, uh, but you need, do need it to have, have the ability to run, to run uh, uh, Docker. With one exception, we do uh, some of the manufacturing production sites have standardized so heavily on Windows. Uh, so we also and uh, we also have the ability to run uh, the uh, the uh, software our runtime as a Windows service. So that's also possible. We would recommend uh, Docker because of the increased management capabilities and lower cost over the lifecycle. Uh, but many enterprise IT departments have very strong, they're used to deploy software running Windows services. They have all the tools needed for that. So that's often not a big, big deal for them. So both, both is possible, but the requirement of the hardware is not, um, is not, that, uh, not that high, unless you want to run a lot of vision, uh, high definition video streams, then, you know, the requirements become a little bit uh, a little bit tougher, but we uh, we have partnerships with uh, uh, camera vendors, and uh, where we run actually where they have uh, an OS uh, and a processor on the camera, and we actually run inside the uh, the video camera. So there's no gateway even needed for for that. So um, so that that is pretty interesting development. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. So now you, you talked about the, uh, the ability of, of an analytics system to, to, to be able to collect data from uh, things like your PLCs, your ERPs. Uh, what specific uh, connectivity technologies does uh, Crosser support? So uh, basically this industry, is, it's a very long tail uh, industry, but it's a kind of, as, is, as in many cases, it's an 80 20 rule at least. Uh, so we support the big ones. We support we support OPC, uh, UA. We support um, uh, DA. We support MQTT, um, HTTP, Modbus. We support uh, uh, Siemens S7. We support uh, uh, Rockwell, Alan Bradley. Uh, we support uh, Canvas and a couple of other uh, protocols and and uh, PLCs as well. So. So um, normally we uh, work with the customers on their project. If there is a missing, missing piece, um, then we normally just develop that module. Um, so, uh, but uh, so far, um, most of the, what we see in the market is kind of within that range. Um, that, uh, that's often the, the starting point. Okay. So, so that covers a lot. And, and then, of course, uh, any REST APIs uh, that is out there, we, we support. Uh, and, um, and uh, yeah, I think most, most, most of, uh, of the customer requirements uh, we support uh, today. Um, so the connectivity uh, is, 
is there for the base. But then when there are niche uh, legacy equipment, then we come into this discussion we had earlier. And uh, there we always have a conversation with the customers regarding, you know, if they want to use a converter, there are tools in the market and software in the market that are specialized on just doing protocol translation that were that have much much more legacy drivers uh, developed over many years. Sometimes customers use that to, to kind of bridge that, and then we we get OPC UA or MQTT from from those uh, from those uh, kind of uh, the protocol translators. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Now, seeing that uh, this industrial data typically comes from like a variety of sources, uh, some are report by exception, some are being polled. So this data, it, it's sort of like there, there's lack of uniformity there in terms of the time of updating and also the, 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 the connectivity technology used. So what mechanisms does CROSSA have to, to sort of manage this data in preparation for the analytics? Yeah, so there, there, there are different, uh, different ways to, uh, to do that. We have, um, we have this building block that I mentioned before that we call modules um, for uh, doing a lot of uh, data transformation uh, changing properties, changing the structure. We can split up arrays and, and create common, uh, common structures that so this all look like, uh, like messages. The, the powerful way, of, the power, powerful structure of the crosser um, architecture is actually such that whenever the data comes in, we transform it into a, to a internal format. So which means that we can take any format in transform it, then deal with the data uh, in a consistent way and manipulate the data in any way we, we want. And then in the end of the flow, the customer then decides what format and where do they want to send this data. So they just basically um, use that those modules and the data then being, being sent to the next system that is in, in the tech stack. So Crosser, we do only real-time data processing, what we call data in motion. We don't store data. We, don't, we can buffer data if there's connectivity issues, but we don't do long-term storing. We don't do long-term visualization that you normally see in more like broader industrial IoT platform. But we're this middle layer that can work with any industrial IoT platform and we can offload them. We can offload the MES system. We can offload the ERP system from a lot of this, uh, a lot of this data. So there are different, um, different tools to split data, change timestamps and uh, align timestamps. Some, some ML models, for instance, they're built from tabular data because that's from file tabular data. But then in the streaming world, as, you, as you're alluding to, the, the data is coming in in a different order. So we have a basically a module that takes that streaming data, align the data. So it's for the machine learning model looks like a tabular format. Yeah. So we kind of change the timestamps and push it into the, the next uh, module, which is then could be a machine learning model. So that is also available. Uh, so there's a lot of different tools that we have developed together with our customers to, to facilitate um, this. There are modules for counters, for calculating uh, OEE metrics. So uh, that, that's something also that is becoming more and more um, uh, requested 
because um, customers are seeing the benefit of having, having real-time insight, not only from the machine data, um, from the sensors, but also from, from the POC statistics, like uh, you know, counters of how, how many times, how much, and volumes and counters. So, and also being able to do that over time, creating uh, OEE calculations. So we have all these this, uh, methods to be able to do that. So it's it's as I said um, earlier, it's a it's a toolbox that creates this flexibility for the customer to for themselves to implement um, a big variety of different use cases. Okay, awesome. Now you mentioned that um, a lot of manufacturers uh, see uh, machine learning as being uh, crucial to to to. Uh, to their uh, digital transformation strategy, so to speak. Uh, what do you see as being the common use cases when it comes to edge analytics? Yeah, I think we've touched upon many of these uh, already. Um, creating this common common data uh, structure is, is one. Uh, we talked about um, uh, data reduction, just creating, lowering the cost of cloud, offloading the cloud platform, both from a cost perspective, but also from a performance perspective. Um, being able to, one thing that we haven't mentioned, talked about is creating machine-to-machine automation. So, so without having to go through, maybe there is a niche use case where they don't want to go in and have a big development project in their MES to create a, create this new automation machine to machine, um, they can use a system like Crosser to do that. So we can also write back to PLCs. Um, so we, uh, we do that. Customers are, are using that for different, uh, different type of use cases. Um, so that, uh, that is uh, commonly being, being used. Um, vision, um, quality inspection is another use case. Um, also for uh, other using cameras as advanced sensors is definitely coming more and more. Historically, manufacturing companies have been using vision systems a lot. So there's nothing new for manufacturers, but they have been closed. It's been a black box solution. The vendors have come in, they provided the camera gateway, analytics modules, dashboards, etc. It's been a siloed, um, vision solution with the cost of uh, ip camera that has dropped so dramatically uh, customers then seeing that will uh, that they can basically decouple that vertically integrated vision solution and apply take a standard off-the-shelf camera apply a software like crosser on that add a a vision ai model for detecting anomalies and then creating triggers based on that. A trigger could be stop the machine, send a, send a message to the HMI uh, for, for the machine operator, or it could be sending uh, a SMS to an engineer uh, or anything else. So being able to act uh, on that, create that. Um, talking about legacy, vision could be used. One, one uh, company we talked to, they had legacy machine that was completely non-digital but it had a red and a green lamp and they had a process where a, where an operator had to go every 30 minutes to check if there was a red or a green lamp 
and yeah. tick that off on a box. So instead they put a camera and just filmed that red and green lamp and put a small algorithm on that and a trigger. So they could just reduce that, that kind of manual process of going and manually check that red and green lamp. So there's a variety of, of areas, large and small, where yeah. vision censoring can make sense. And uh, it now the cost of this has been been driven down uh, and more accessible with open AI. Uh, that's also, again, coming from the US, driven by the internet companies, pushing openness uh, and on, on these algorithms. So, so this is, um, this is great for, for, for everyone. So that's another use case that's coming. Uh, but also integrating other systems, integrating the MES system with the ERP, uh, integrating with other uh, shop floor platforms, could be uh, lab equipment, can be whatever other software tool that you might have, but also horizontal integration between the, uh, the production site or the shop floor and more the top floor businesses uh, and business systems are becoming more and more uh, common, common as well. So um, yeah, uh, the, the most successful project that we see are the one that starts where the companies wants to take an architectural approach to this. They don't take a use case approach, but they think, okay, what if we apply and put in this intelligent edge layer um, in, in our tech stack? What could we do with that? And they can see all of these different uh, opportunities, and then they start by implementing one use case after the other. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Now, at the beginning of this talk, uh, you, you you mentioned how uh, the, the industry is resistant to change, you know, for many different reasons. So now, what do you see as being the future of uh, low-code platforms in in IIT? Yeah, I think if you look at the the market for developers today, there is about 1.5 million job openings in the world currently. Yeah. Um, do you believe that number is going to be lower in the future or do you believe that number is going to be higher in the future? <laughs> yeah, it's certainly going to be higher. Yeah, it's going to be higher, right? So that means that, that it's going to be tougher and tougher for uh, enterprises tough for us. We're we're a hot tech company. Uh, it's, we have a hard time finding good software developers, um, and everyone have that challenge. So also, if you're a if you're an industrial company, you definitely have that challenge, both recruiting and retaining your top talent. So building in code has the, the disadvantage with that is just becoming you know larger and larger uh, so uh, the advantages with with having platforms that hides the complexity of of writing code and puts the power to existing team members existing operations uh, ot teams uh, automation engineers um, uh, maintenance teams um, data scientists and you have it personnel to put the power to innovate in their hands using drag and drop and pre-built uh, modules, um, it gives not only uh, the power to innovate to, to individual contributors, but it also gives the ability for bridging 
the OTIT sides together. Because often when we build these flows, the start point of this flow where the data input is, is the domain of the OT teams. Then you go through some type of data processing. That could be the, the, the data science or the data engineers, data analysts that are in charge of that part. Then you have the last part is often creating the workflows and actions based on the different analytics piece and who are in charge of that. That's often the IT teams. So all of a sudden you can have three or four different team members contributing to the same uh, workflows and doing that in a visual manner. So everyone can see visually what the other team members have, have contributed with. It's a game changing uh, effect for, uh, for companies and for teams uh, in, and uh, both the way they can move faster, but also how they can collaborate and work faster as a team, no matter if they are on the same site or if uh, they are on multiple sites. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's a large number of manufacturers out there are small uh, to medium enterprises, and most of them, they really can't afford to have like an in-house cross-functional team, you know? So yeah, totally agree there. Okay, now in conclusion, uh, could you tell us more about Crossa, the company? Absolutely. So, so we're a Swedish uh, company. Uh, we are um, um, we come from outside the uh, the automation industry. We come with uh, we have been doing enterprise software, enterprise hardware. Um, big scale project for service providers. Uh, and we saw um, that the industrial side uh, have a lot of challenges uh, ahead of them. And we came into this industry with a fresh mind. So, so we're a Swedish company, but we also have a team in Germany. Uh, we are working with uh, systems integrators and uh, and automation specialists, we're teaming up with them. We're working very closely with also the rest of the tech stack. So um, we have um, decided to be the best on the planet on the edge, intelligent edge layer uh, for edge analytics, which means that we also become very partner friendly because we only do this. Um, so we're partner friendly with the, everyone that are doing hardware and OS and hypervisor layers. And we're also partnering with whatever other system that come northbound. It could be MES systems, ERP vendors. It could be um, IoT platforms. It could be cloud platform and so forth. So we're partnering up uh, uh, with, with the objective every time that if we can do things together, we can, again, lower the barriers for the end customer and make the journey smoother, easier, and less costly and less painful for, for them. That's always the objective for us. We're, we're fanatical about uh, you know, simplifying things for, for our customers. And I think that mindset um, has been also brought in here because we come from outside the automation world. We see that the automation, automation industry is kind of, they've accepted a lot of the complexity Whereas we come from the outside and say, well, how can you accept this complexity? You know, you, there's, there's a possibility to remove this complexity and hide this for users and make it accessible 
for more people to innovate. Uh, so that's uh, that's where we're we're uh, still a venture backed company. Uh, mm-hmm. We have uh, leading Scandinavian, uh, German uh, investors, but also Asian investor. Investor, we have entity uh, Docomo Ventures, the big telco out of Japan, is one of our uh, investors, for instance. So we have a, a you know, strong group of investors that that is behind uh, Crosser and also that sees that opportunity for a for a company that taking the best of the cloud technology, but applying that on the edge, um, that 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 has a great potential in market. Uh, We have customers pretty much all across the world. um, And the customers that are running deployment in uh, in factories, in in multiple geographies, uh, deploying this. Uh, Some customers deploy one factory, many use case, Others start with one use case, many factories. Um, so it's it all depends on on uh, uh, the end customer how they do deploy. Okay. So so that's a bit of, about uh, about us. All right. Awesome. Okay. So that brings us to the end of this session. Uh, thank you so much for coming through to share your insight uh, with us. I wish you all, all the best. Well, thank you, Kutsai. It's been a pleasure to be, be here. And I, I must say that uh, you're also doing a, a great job for, uh, for this industry by bringing all, uh, all people together and sharing your podcast. So, so thanks for go- doing a great job on that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Thank you.